laughing in the middle of nothing. What was that? What was that? Oh, the boat came up. The boat came up. Oh, my. Now I know what kind of humor Pam Faust has. <laughs> uh, but it was interesting how the, the video came into play, and I, I'm not sure the, the whole story, but uh, there really wasn't a video that just seemed like it was fitting for this week, and just kind of decided to, to skip that, which is usually the best thing to do. And, and Chris sent me an email this week, and she said that she heard this song at just a particular moment. You remember I sent out the email about testimony. She's just like, this is something I feel like I'm supposed to share with you. And, and I, I've heard the song a billion times, and I listen to it again. I'm like, wow, this is exactly our starting point for today's message. So I, I thank Chris for her faithfulness and, and sending that email. Uh, sometimes we hear that still small voice, and we're just like, yeah, it's awfully small. I don't know if that's God or not. But then he does something major with it. It's just so cool how he looks. So, um, so anyways, as Pam has already announced, the uh, title today is Boards Are Also Free. And basically what we're going to be covering is stress versus faith and stress versus faithfulness in our lives. And I know that this is going to be a struggle for a lot of us. Uh, I know a lot of us are going through some different troubles right now. And this is a conversation basically that's been uh, being led up to as we look into the last few weeks. So let's dig right into it. If you would grab your Bibles out, we'll get back to Matthew 6. So the last section in Matthew 6. By the way, your worship leader is looking around for a Bible. He has none. Uh, <laughs> oh, Mike, you can go up and show people where the, the Bibles are for those that uh, need them. That would be a great help to me. And if you could just, uh, you know, take one back to your seat with you as an example, that it's fine to get up and get a Bible. Take one home if you need it. Uh, or your version is up and running as well. But as you remember, as we're going through Matthew 6, We've gone through these three different areas that God has given us to uh, basically tap into for freedom's sake. Generosity, taking care of one another, uh, prayer, being able to speak to God, and fasting, being able to strip some things of the world off of our shoulders so we can focus on him more. And that through these things that he assumes that we want to do, because God is just so awesome and so glorious and he's given us so much mercy and grace, that he assumes that we want to pass that on to others through generosity, we want to speak to him, that we want to be known by him, that we want to know him and seek him out. And then last week, he switched that into a warning of the thing that most often takes our focus away from that and puts us back into bondage, back into struggle. And that's, quite frankly, money is what we talked about last week. And the, the, the gist of it, if you've not seen that one, um, I, I do encourage you to go watch that podcast because it is such a big struggle for so many of us. But the, 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 I think the main point that really summed it up for me was uh, the word that Jesus used for money. Do you remember this last week? He used the word mammon, which is uh, Greek. And if you um, spell mammon, M-A-M-M-O-N, with a lowercase m, it means that which is entrusted to us. And if you spell it with a capital M, then it means that in which we trust. And that little bit of a difference changes everything. And that we are called, as Jesus has called us, to take and make sure we keep that lowercase m, that money is in its proper place. It is not more important to us than God. It is not our Savior. It is not the answer to all our problems. It is just something that he entrusts us with to follow him faithfully in. And the reason why I wanted to make sure we recap that is as when you look in this verse 25 of chapter 6, you're going to see that the verse, first word there is the word therefore, which basically means because of what we just talked about, now we can move to this. So Jesus is moving in with a couple assumptions. One, that he's talking to people that want to follow him, those who have accepted Jesus as leader and forgiven their lives, those who want to be Christ's followers, those who have heard him on the message about getting money in its proper place and saying, okay, now that we have that in its proper place, we can launch off of that into a bigger conversation about anxiety and about stress, about all kinds of issues that the enemy uses to get us back into bondage, to get us off the right track, to get us back into trouble and turmoil. So that's what he's going to speak into and talk about today. And 
Maybe you're in the perfect place, but if you're not, this might be something that you might want to hear today and see what God has for us. So, is everybody good? Everybody's in Matthew 6? Okay, let's dig in. If we say, uh, again, verse 25, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Know about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, and what shall we drink, and what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Okay, let's stop there and just kind of dissect that, because it's almost kind of poetic, and it's kind of, you know, kind of in some different places, maybe a little hard to follow, depending on where you're coming from. But the first thing I notice is Jesus understands us better than uh, we do sometimes. Like, sometimes we're just like... like um, this, this might be sound horrible, but like with premarital counseling, there's all these different questions that people fill out. And uh, many times people will say, uh, I believe God's instructions for my life are important. True. I understand God's instructions for my life. False. And it's like, huh. You know, it's like we want to say that we're with God. We want to say we're following God. We want to say we're connected with God and whatever God says I'm going to do. But then in reality, a lot of times we struggle. A lot of times that doesn't really match up to it. And the reason I say that I think Jesus understands this is because Jesus starts out by saying, therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about anything. And if I truly follow through on my intent of saying, okay, if Jesus says that I'm going to do it because that's, you know, the son of God and he's the creator of all things and he has best for me and he has everything in his control, so he says don't be anxious, I'm going to not be anxious. Okay, hold on, watch. Huh, that is better. That's all he would have had to say. It just would have been just, oh, okay, Jesus said don't be anxious, so I'm not going to be anxious. But the thing is, is we do struggle more than that, don't we? We do have more challenges. It doesn't seem to be just that easy that we do stress out and that we do max out. So Jesus goes further into it and says, I, wa I want to kind of meet you where you're at and explore into this mode and maybe give us a different perspective that would drive us to the kind of life of joy tied to our spiritual life and not our circumstances that he calls us to. And the first thing he does is he defines the word needs. He says, we don't have to stress out because God takes care of our needs. But he says, but let me define what needs are because our definition of needs and God's definition of needs sometimes are different. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this. I, I've noticed this more as a, I think, in my pa pastoring years than before. But there's a lot of times I'm talking to somebody and we'll agree to something, like how we're going to do something. And then it like, becomes like, real messy and we're both stressed out and everything else. And then I realize a lot of times when we say something, you define the words different than I define the words. And we're really not agreeing. We think we are. Does that make sense? You know, it, it, it'd be one thing, let's, let's say VBS was just starting and Colleen and, and Amanda, because I'm not going to call her Amber anymore, were here with me and we're talking to all the volunteers and saying, hey, look, this week the, the, the kids are just, this is an important week for the kids. Just, just treat these kids like, the, the, just like your little brother or your little sister and just, just follow that on, on your heart. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's great, that's great. Well, the problem is a half an hour later it might look quite differently. If I grew up in a house where brothers and sisters hugged each other and you grew up in a house where you call each other names and smack each other upside the head. You know what I mean? It's just we have different ways to define things. So Jesus says, I want to define to you what I say is needs. Because I don't want you to say I'm going to you know, provide all your needs and then you're upset because you didn't get the iPad at Christmas that you wanted. Okay? So he says, here's the needs. 
And if, if you get this, I'll write this down, highlight it, circle it, whatever you got to do. If you get this, it's the starting point of changing everything. He says our needs are food, drink, clothes. Okay? And if we look at the beginning of the book, he had food and drink, completely everything, the very best he handed right there to Adam and Eve. And then after we sinned, after we corrupt everything, and we realized we were naked, the first thing that he did was he sacrificed a lamb to make them clothing. That was not part of his original world, but he immediately started. If we look at the Israelites going through the desert for 40 years, it is very clear that they needed him for the manna and the drink. And it says specifically, get this, I don't know if you've ever seen this, that their shoes and their clothes did not wear out for the 40 years that they were in the desert. Okay? He takes care of our needs. And if we can get that and realize that everything else outside of those is gravy. Everything else out of that is want and blessing. It changes everything. Because I don't know anybody who's here today that starved to death or came here naked. Right? Except for one of you. We caught you early. Right? <laughs> and then I looked at, like, the ministries that we get involved with is, like, our two that we're mainly involved with today with this leaping, which is clothing, and then Kilpatrick Food Pantry and the Food Pantry here and Meet the Need here, which is food. And it's not because of this voice. It's just because Jesus knew what he was talking about. That's the needs that people have. Everything else is gravy. How much time do you stress out for clothes and food versus everything else that's keeping you up at night? How much time are we putting? You may be like, well, you know, Tom, but you, you don't understand. You know, I've got these bills and everything else. More likely you got the credit card bills because you wanted the big screen TV. That was never a need that you didn't have the resources for, but you put it in your own hands, and now you got to struggle. I understand that. But Tom, I don't even have that. I'm trying to keep a roof over my head. You know, I've got the electric bill, and I've got the gas bill, and the cable bill, and the internet bill. Cable and internet are not a need. I love them. Not a need. And my great-great-great-great-daddy had no idea what electric and gas was. That's what we grew into for our own comfort zone and want to protect. Clothing, food, drink. The other thing that's really cool is if I, I do those, not only do I realize I don't have to stress about all the other things because they're just gravy, but I can take a look at all the things in my life that aren't one of those three things and go, God, you are so good to me. My car, my, my spouse, my kids, my uh, fa fa outside family, the, the TV I'm watching, the carpet I've got on my floor, the, you know, the, the refrigerator's working, all the things that we have in our life that are extra is because God says, I love you. Or because you were diligent and followed him faithfully so that you could have things to be able to do that. Or because you made mistakes and you really shouldn't have them. It's one of the three. But how God is just so gracious to us. He's just so gracious to us. And if we can get that focus, it starts to shift us into some of the other areas. Now, it's so different to the world thinking. Jesus said, I'm going to give you guys a couple examples on this. Consider the birds. Right? We're in the country. We understand birds for the most part. They don't stress out about food. I think it was the reason he didn't say consider the squirrels. Because in the autumn, they're all stressed out, getting nuts and hiding them away, getting ready for the winter and everything else. That's kind of like we are. He says, no, no, no. Consider the birds. They're not stressed out. They don't have ulcers, the whole reason for this, right? They know that the food's going to be there. Now, they don't just sit there at their little nest and wait for worms to come calling to them because God provides for them. But when you see the hawk out on a telephone wire along the freeway, it's because we mow our freeways really well, and it's easy to see the mice and the snakes, and they're ready to go because it's going to be provided. That's the one example that he gives us. The other one's the lilies in the field. You know, a lot of people look at the Bible and say, well, it's a, you know, like, we're all supposed to be rich, like, according to this. And we are supposed to be rich. It's just not always supposed to be about money, right? 
And the worst thing is when somebody thinks that and they get rich because then it's even harder to talk to them. But nonetheless, what he's saying here is don't look at Solomon's story and say I'm supposed to be like that. He's saying look at the lilies who didn't have any riches, anything, and Jesus just said, man, I'm going to deck them out. Or God said that. You know, I'm just going to make them so beautiful, just so awesome. You guys, they, they didn't have to work for that. They didn't toil for that. They didn't have to worry. God takes care of his creation. And then he says, you know, it, just even bigger than that, like, that how much more is he going to do for you part is just overwhelming. And, and it's kind of hard to kind of fathom this, but, but follow me on this example. I, I think I'm a pretty decently caring guy, most part. Some people might, you know, fight on that. Um, those who snickered would. But uh, <laughs> if I found a bird here on the church property or at home or whatnot that was a baby that got blown out of its nest, I wouldn't run it over with the mower. I'd pick it up and try to, you know, help or find somebody who knows what they're doing and say, here, because I, I don't have that knowledge. But, you know, so, and somebody's going to get this eyedropper and feed that little thing or whatnot. Um, but if my son or my daughter are walking across the street from my house and a car's speeding at them and I have any option within it, there's a whole different story. Let me, let me, let me, let me explain that to you. Because if I'm driving down the street now, I live, since I live in the country, and I just everything's going great, and I'm listening to a song and I'm singing, and all of a sudden I see bird windshield boom, and it looks you know behind me it's bouncing on the, the road. I go aw, and then I go right back to the next line of the street, right? <laughs> can you but can you imagine the intensity that would be there if something happened to one of my kids? Do you do you know how, how I would do anything within my power to be the one hit by that vehicle instead of it even grazing them? Do you know the depth in my heart that would be broken for the rest of my life if something happened to one of my children? Do you hear what Jesus is saying to us today? Considering how he takes care of those boys. Look how he does it. But those things, just, they, they, they get cut down and thrown away. You are a child of God. You're his daughter. You're his son. He's going to provide your needs. He's got you covered. Does that make sense? He took the bus, hit the cross because he saw it coming for you. How would he ever stop short on your needs, let alone this God knows so much grace that he gives you so many other things as well. And yet we stress out and we struggle with these things. We're just overwhelmed by these things. Let me, let me look, look at, um, I'll share this with you. I pulled this off of the website. I love Google. But I was looking at like the results of stress, and this is why I think Jesus is so passionate about this. There's different categories like emotional. This is, and you guys might relate to some of these. Emotional uh, stress causes us to be moody, irritable, short-tempered, uh, have an inability to relax, feeling overwhelmed, loneliness, depression. Physically, there's aches, pains, ulcers, diarrhea, nausea, chest pain, loss of sex drive, frequent colds, behavior, eating less or more, sleep too much or not enough. Isolation, procrastination, nervous habits, use of drugs or alcohol or cigarettes to relax. Cognitive, memory problems, can't concentrate, poor judgment, seeing the negative, racing thoughts, worry. These are the things that the world offers to us. And if you see it in your spouse, say it gingerly. But if you see it in yourself, just let God speak to your heart today and say, that's not what I have for you. My daughter, that's not what I have for you. I have so much more. It was interesting this past week, I went down to Hope Crossing um, I don't know how many of you guys know Jeannie, one of the two owners down there. She was a store manager for us uh, for several years, and then they opened up her crossing when we closed down. And uh, she was here at church the week before I left on vacation. 
at the church, she said, will you do me a favor? Will you come uh, see me when you get back? There's some things I want to talk to you about. And, you know, a big chunk of that was this prayer concert thing coming up. And um, then she said, uh, when I got back and I visited her, she goes, can I, can I take and share with you something that God did while you were gone? I was like, sure, because God always does cool things when I'm gone. And uh, <laughs> it's like, I miss everything. But I love the stories. And she said, well, we were in here at the store, and it was fair week. Now, uh, what I understood right off the bat, that you might not, if you don't ever own a local small business during fair week, you don't do business on fair week. Everybody's down at the fair, you, you, and you're left in the store trying to figure out how you're going to pay this week's bills. That's basically what fair week is. It just, everything stops. And so she's like, I'm here for a week, and they were going through that. They are kind of stressed out about what's going to happen financially and how to pay the bills because they're all, I mean, they're struggling ministry. If you are going to support a ministry in town, that's a great one to support because they really do struggle. And she, uh, she said, um, we just thought, let's pray to God for his provision, and let's you know, claim it, let's speak specifically, boldly our request. So her and her husband in the middle of the story about, uh, took and prayed, God, will you provide today, if it's all within your will, $500 a day? Here's the other thing you got to understand. That's an insane prayer. An insane prayer at their store, for fair, especially fair week. Their average day probably, when things are good, $300 a day. During fair week, they'd probably be lucky to do about $50 to $100. So they're asking basically for tenfold, okay? Will you bless us today, $500? So the day went on, nobody's coming in, everything's going along. It's true story, this up blows my mind. The lady comes in, this is the, the start of the story. Lady comes in, she asked about a particular book from a particular author. Do you have it? She's like, looks it up, she's like, well, no, we don't. Having stock is kind of something on the fringe. Having stock, but we can order it for you. Be here next week. And she said, "Well, okay, let's 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 look at that." So, she's looking up some information and filling out the the special order form. And the lady says, "You know, I've been really uh, trying to order this online through this guy's ministry, and I just she goes, I'm pretty web savvy, but I just keep having problems. Like the order's not going through. The order's not going through. And I start getting frustrated. And I'm like, Well, God, do you want me just not to get this book? Like, you know, have you ever been in that post? Like, what are you trying to say?" And she felt like I was putting on a heart. No, I, I want you to get that from the local bookstore. So, again, that's still a small voice. It might sound a little crazy. She goes down to the bookstore, and she orders it. And she goes, you're not going to believe this. She goes, at the same time she was talking about, we were praying that God would bless our business today because usually it's pretty dead during field week. So I truly do believe that God put on your heart to come here and, and be here. And they both just like, wow, that's incredible, you know, just how she heard and how she was obedient and how it affected somebody else and she was answered to prayer. It's going great. And so they're going through everything, and that's all the more that they, they said to each other about that so far. And so as they're wrapping it up, the, the wrapping the things up, the lady says, now I want to get some copies for some friends of mine, too, but I only have a budget of $500. How many can I get for $500? <laughs> Do you see how God works? To the penny, one customer. Eight years we had a store. Only once did I have somebody spend more than that, and it was a guy at Christmas time trying to press us getting our business. He did $900 stuff. Outside of that, never, never, $500 a day, one person, right at the right moment, okay? Next day, they say, wow, that was really cool. And we could use, not need, we could use some extra provision. Let's pray again. God, if, you, if it's all within your will, can you send us $500 a day? You know what God did? He didn't do it. He didn't do it. And they were like, wow, I wonder you know, did we not have enough faith? What, you know, we were just so excited about the day before. And somebody told me, well, you were testing God. And you're not allowed to test God. Well, actually, we're allowed to test God in our tithes and, finance, and, and uh, offerings, according to Micah. That's the only way we can test God. But I looked at her and I said, you know what? I'm so excited in my heart. I don't think that's true at all. She goes, what do you mean? I said, I don't think that's what God was trying to teach you. I think God was trying to teach you three things. And I think this is what we have to grab today. 
if we're going to take and apply this. One, he's got the answers. He's got the provision. He, that first day, he was like, I just want to let you know how much I'm in control I am. One customer, fair week, $500, you got it. Number two, he doesn't give it to us when we want it. Number three, he gives it to us when we need it. And the question becomes, is that enough? When we're stressed out, maxed out, everything else going on, is it enough that we have a God that has the answer, the provision, the solution, and we can trust him with that, that he'll give it to us when we need it? Because sometimes we don't have that thing because we made a mistake. Sometimes we were just unfaithful, we mess up. Absolutely, we have ripple effects. You're not alone if you're in that boat. He's walking through that with you. Sometimes we're going through that because somebody else has made a free will decision that was outside God's will that has hurt you, devastated you. I understand that. You're not alone. God goes through that with you. But sometimes, just like I think in Jeannie's case, God has you in a situation because he's teaching you something and he's building a testimony that brings glory to his name. If you look in John 9, there's a story of a man who was born blind. You guys know the story? Born blind. Jesus comes walking up. He's got some of his buddies with him. And they look at him and they say, Jesus, why is this guy blind? Is it because he sinned? Because his parents sinned. In other words, is it his fault or somebody else's fault? One of those first two solutions. He said, no, this guy is blind because right now, in this moment, God has got this orchestrated to bring glory to his name. I don't know how old this guy was, 20, 25, 30, I don't know. This guy has been blind this entire time for this day, this moment. And he walked over to the man, he talked to the man, he blessed the man, and the man was able to have sight. And as you look at the rest of that chapter, it's going to be reported a little bit in the video, you're going to watch a second. The, 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 the entire place went nuts. The entire town, the Sanhedrin, everybody, it just went nuts. Like, how's this guy see? What's going on? Is Jesus, okay, this is on the Sabbath. Everybody goes crazy. But when it comes down to just like him and Jesus and his testimony, the guy's basically saying, all I know, I don't know anything about this Jesus guy. All I know is I was blind and now I see and I'm with him. And you might be going through that situation. And I'm telling you, on that day, he could have two choices. Either I've been blind this long and I'm mad at God about it or thank God for this moment and whatever he wants to do with it, he can do with it because even today, 2,000 years later, you and I are talking about his story. I don't know what you're going through, but God will get the glory through it no matter what led you there if we trust him, if we follow him, and we lean away from the stress. You, you with me? How much time are we wasting on stress and anxiety? How much time? But here's the, here's the, the real key to it. Go back to, to the scripture with me if you would. Because it's more than just a conscious choice. We have, to, we have to kind of see some things and put some action behind it. Verse 33, it says, But seek first, and that, there's a reason for that, but again, he's trying to change our gears a little bit. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And this is key, so let's re read that one. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That, for whatever reason, that wording throws me a little bit. And I, I kind of like the NIV's version a little bit more. It says, basically, do, do not feel, be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. <laughs> you know, I, it's like, amen, I'm with you. And, but, but if we imply this, how much time are we stressing about things that are about tomorrow? Right? And that'd kill you. I mean, that, that'll just wipe you out. You're not going to add an hour to your life through anxiety. You're going to take them off, right? So right there, I, okay, now I know what my needs are. Let's just think about the wants. Now I can worry about the needs and tomorrow. I can take off tomorrow. Now I'm worried about my needs and today. And how do I take and find what God wants me to have so I can have freedom and not bondage and stress? And it's basically this. Seek first his kingdom. 
which simply means, I mean, I'm sure there's multiple you know, applications to this, but to me, the first thoughts I had was, if you don't know Jesus as leader, forgive in your life, get there. Get on your knees, talk to him. According to scripture, again, if you acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God with your mouth, and you believe in your heart, he died and rose again for you, you are saved. And you can't do the first two things. A lot of people tell me, oh yeah, you know, I'm a Christian, and I believe this, and da, da, da. If you believe he's the Son of God, died and rose again for you, it changes everything. And you have, I mean, you, you can't believe that and not have it change everything. So you walk away from this crap life of stress that we have, and you start following him. You just put your faith in him and that he has freedom and he has life for you. So that's the first step. The, the second step is this. When I do that and I have all this mercy and grace and just celebration and worship, but yet I'm dumb enough to get sucked back into the world again because I will, then I come back again. And if you keep your thumb there, let's keep your thumb in Matthew 6. We'll go to Matthew 11 for a second. I think Jesus speaks to this in uh, chapter 11, verse 28. Again, this is Jesus speaking. This is him crying out to us. Chapter 11, verse 28. It says, Come to me, all who labor and all who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. If you are labored and heavy laden today, come to Jesus, all who fit that bill, and there's a promise in the word of God that you can trust that says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am gentle and I'm lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come to me. Seek him. Keep coming back to his kingdom. Even when you don't feel it, even if you didn't have a magical moment 20 minutes ago, trust in the promise of God. Come back to him. Do whatever it takes. Fast. Get away. Go to the park. Get your Bible out. Whatever it takes. Take and tell your husband to take the kids. You're going to go out in the car in the garage. You're not going to turn it on because that would be bad, but you're going to read your Bible. Whatever it takes, come back to God and then seek his righteousness. What's that mean? Live faithfully. Be holy. When you mess up, come back into his mercy and grace and do it again. Stress leads us away from faith. You got this? Stress leads us away from faith. Faith leads us to freedom. If I am stressed out, I would do everything I can to try to control the situation and fix it. And in the process, probably ignore Jesus' commands, trying to look for the shortcut just to get it off my plate instead of coming to him and saying, Father, I need you badly. I have no control. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. And I'm just going to trust it. Send me today your daily bread. I need you. Hebrews 10, and I, I won't make a good jump to this, but we'll, we'll put the... Uh, the scripture voice up there. I think it's on your version if you want to look at it, but just make sure I'm not lying to you later. And if you're in the middle of a struggle today, I just want you to hear this. Hebrews 10, 37 through 39 says this. In a little while, the coming one will come and will not delay. If you're in a struggle today, if you're maxed out and you're ready to give up hope or you're doing dumb stuff that you know you shouldn't be doing, in a little while, the one that is coming and he is moving you might not see him yet because he hasn't shown up yet because you don't need him in that way yet. But in a little while, just a little while, the one that is coming is coming and he is not delaying. He's coming. But my righteous one, which is you, shall live by faith. In that moment that you're waiting, you will continue to follow the righteousness part. I'm waiting for the kingdom. 
I'm, I'm living in righteousness. I'll, you shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We read that again without all my commentary. In a little while, the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. We are those who have faith and preserve our souls. If you never understood what faith is, let me give you this definition. It's Hebrews 11.1. 1. A very dear friend of mine heard me read this one time, and she grew up in church, and I was very disappointed that her church has never educated her on this. This is what faith is. This is what we live by. Faith is the assurance of things that we hope for. It is for conviction of those things that are not seen. Are you living in stress or are you living by faith? I follow God. Are you? I trust in God. Are you? Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All of them. We are more than overcomers. I want to share with you a, a testimony of a gentleman. It's going to be on a video um, that really struck my heart this week. And I'd seen him in some different circles and whatnot. And really, uh, this might sound really cold, didn't really strike me as it did this week. And I think if you will come to this video, mindful of the things that are stressing you out today, and listen to his story, and put together these scriptures that we've been talking about, the Spirit will speak to you this morning. He'll comfort you this morning. He might challenge you this morning, but he will comfort you this morning. So Dalton, if you would, let's take off the lights. Let's go to the video, and let's just see what the Spirit does as we seek him today. make someone extraordinary? Their abilities, their talents, or simply their smile. When I first met Nick Vujicic, I knew I had just encountered someone extraordinary. From the moment he began to share his amazing story with me, I witnessed firsthand how God is using a man with no arms and no legs to be God's hands and his feet. My dad was saying that he was, you know, his head was next to my mum's head as, uh, as I was being born and he saw my shoulder and he just went pale and was hoping my mum didn't see me because he saw that I had no right arm. And my dad had to leave the room and he couldn't believe what he saw and the doctor came in and my dad said, my son, he has no right arm. And he says, no, your son has no arms or legs. And he said he nearly fell on the floor. He couldn't believe it. And the whole church was mourning, you know, like, why would God let the pastor's son be born that way? And my mom, at first, she, she didn't want to hold me. She didn't want to, you know, breastfeed me and all that. Um, she just felt very uncomfortable for the first four months. And it took them quite a while before they could trust in God that he didn't make a mistake, that he didn't forget them or me. Nick's parents gave their fear and even disappointment in their son's disability over to the Lord. They chose to trust God and his promise that he had a plan and purpose, a hope and a future for their son. But as the years passed, Nick, on the other hand, had many challenges trusting in a God that he felt gave him less. I challenged God. I said, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I won't probably have peace until you're in my heart but I will not let you in my heart until you answer me, why? Why did you take my arms and legs? Why didn't you give me what everybody else has? 
And I said, God, until you answer me that question, I will not serve you. And so I wanted to end it. If God wasn't going to end my pain, I was going to end it myself. So at age eight, I tried to drown myself in a bathtub of four inches of water. I told my mum and dad, I'm just going to relax in the bathtub. Can you put me in the bathtub? And uh, yeah, I turned over a couple times to see if I could do it. I couldn't do it. Um, the thought that stopped me from going through with it was the love for my parents. Because um, I, I love them so much and all they did was love me. And I thought to myself, if I actually went through with this, I pictured my funeral, I pictured my parents, and also was guilt on their shoulders that they couldn't have done more. That would be the last time Nick would attempt suicide, but it wouldn't be the last time he would come face to face with those deep issues that made him want to end the pain. Then one day, Nick's mother had him read an article about a severely disabled man, and that man's story made a huge impact on Nick. <laughs> I have a choice to either be angry at God for what I don't have or be thankful for what I do have. And my mom, she said, Nick, God's going to use you. I don't know how, I don't know when, but God's going to use you. And those seeds started penetrating in my heart. And that's when I started seeing that there is no point in being complete on the outside when you're broken on the inside. And I found out that God can heal you without changing the circumstance. I gave my life to Jesus Christ when I read John 9 at age 15, where a man was coming through a village, and a man, um, this, this blind man from birth, Jesus saw him, people said, why was this man born that way? Jesus said, it was done so that the works of God may be revealed through him. And in 2 Timothy 3 verse 16, it says, all scripture is God-breathed. And I believe God breathed in me life and faith. This faith came over me, this peace came over me, and I felt like God answered my question. And what Lord, was the question and what was the answer? The question was, why? Why did you make me this way? And the answer was, do you trust me? That's the question. And when you say yes to that question, nothing else matters. But what was it specifically for you that made you say, Lord, I'm going to trust your word because I know it's true. I'm going to trust you even if I don't know what you have in store for me tomorrow. Right. Because there was nothing else I could find. Mm. There was nothing else that could give me peace. I knew arms and legs wouldn't give me peace anyway, arms and legs alone. Um, I needed to know the truth of who I am, why I'm here, and where I'm going when I'm not here. And I haven't found that truth anywhere else but in Jesus Christ. And it was in Jesus Christ where Nick found the strength to do what many thought would be the impossible. It's so hard to be strong when people constantly say, you're not good enough, you, you know, go away, you know, we don't want anything to do with you. Nick, you're a nobody. Nick, you can't do this. Nick, you can't do that. Nick, 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 Nick. In life, if you don't know the truth, then you can't be free. Because then you'll believe that the lies are the truth. But once we realize that when we read the Word of God and you know the truth of who you are, I am not a man without arms and legs. I'm a, I am a child of God. I am forgiven of my sins. I'm an ambassador of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'm nothing but a servant of the Most High God. This is not about Nick. It's not about Nick's capacity and capability to become this conqueror. I am nothing. I'm nothing. God, though, lives in me, and I now live in His strength. 
And whatever Jesus conquered, I conquer. I believe if God doesn't give you a miracle, you are a miracle of God for somebody else's salvation. And I thank God that he didn't answer my prayer when I was begging him for arms and legs at age eight. Because guess what? Because I have no arms and no legs, he's using me all around the world. And we've seen so far, approximately, uh, this is conservative, 200,000 souls come to Jesus Christ for the very first time in the last six, seven years. And what would you rather? Would you rather have arms and legs, Nick, here on earth and no arms? No, whatever his will is. Because I'd rather have no arms and no legs temporarily here on earth to be able to reach someone else for Jesus Christ and then spend eternity with them there. In the last decade, Nick has shared his story in 24 countries to over 3 million people. And whether he's talking to a stadium packed with people or one single person, his heart behind the message is the same. God loves you. That he hasn't forgotten your pain. He hasn't forgotten your family. And maybe while you're watching this interview, you've compared your suffering to my suffering. And that's not where hope is, to know that someone else, in your opinion, is suffering more than you. That's not where hope is. But hope is in the name of God, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hope is when you compare your suffering to the infinite, immeasurable love and grace of God. Isaiah 40, verse 31, says, Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength, that shall mount up on wings as eagles. I didn't need my circumstance to change. I don't need arms and legs. I need the wings of the Holy Spirit. And I'm flying because I know Jesus is holding me up. Don't give up on God, because God will not give up on you. Can I bring you up? If you would, just take a, a moment, just close your eyes bow your head or whatever works for you to just kind of get away from whoever's around you or whatever's around you and just kind of focus in for a few moments on him. I remember when I was growing up at Justin Hills, church camp that I talk about so much, it's impacted my life so much. I was there for 30 years in different roles and with everything gone to camp and no news reports and nobody else and everybody on the same page it just seems so easy to get close to God and have these great powerful moments and I go back home and just really miss it and be sad about it and maybe you have a place like that yourself or a circumstance like that yourself and it wasn't until I was in my later teens or my early 20s that I realized the same God at Justin Hills is the same God that's here with me now just like this gentleman sharing his testimony said, just like Nick said, that it's not about whether or not he has bigger struggles than you do, but it's about whether or not you have the same God and the same relationship that he does. So whatever's been stealing from that, whatever's been robbing from your faithfulness, whatever's been taking away your peace, whatever's been shoving you up against the ropes. Bring it to your Lord now. If it's food, if it's drink, if it's clothing, he promises his provision. And if you're not finding it yet, you grab my arms after church and we're going to find that provision together. 
if it's something else, hold it to him and ask him, what place should that have in your life? Is it ruling you? Or is it in his hands? And you as a child of God are waiting, seeking, being faithful, knowing that he's right around the corner with that answer. That he has that provision and he will give it to you when you need it. And the beautiful thing about God is a lot of times he gives it to us when we just want it. We talk to him about it now. Just take a few moments with him. Commit these things and let us minister to your heart. someone to pray with you, just come forward and we'll pray with you. Meet him here. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Know about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than the clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father who feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And while you're anxious about clothing, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. 
They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if gods are clothed, the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Dear Holy Father, as we bring these things to you, as we just lift up these concerns and wants, Father, may we not do so embarrassed that they have had control over us in the past, but do so as children, trusting you, coming to their daddy with concerns, with needs, with wants. And first and foremost, tend to our spirits and our attitudes that we put them in their proper place with the leading of your Holy Spirit that we seek you, that you are first, everything else is second. Refocus us, remind us of your word and your promises and your truths and your faithfulness. Remind us of the testimonies of what you have already done in our lives and help us to lean into Hebrews coming to you again and leaning in and saying, I am more than an overcomer. Through Jesus Christ, I am more than an overcomer. He is coming. He does not delay. And I am faithful. Gently and maybe violently, if need be, take these weeds out of our garden. circumstances might be there, but the stress does not need to be, Father. Minister to us this morning. Remind us of your love. Some of us come in here today, Father, and everything's fine and great, and we worship you for it. For some of us, it's just overloading loads, and we just need to be reminded how blessed we are and stop looking at the dark holes and just let you fill those with light. Within those prayers, Father, give us the courage to communicate to one another in these areas that we struggle in, so as a community, we can surround each other in prayer and in action. Help us to learn more about your scripture and your ways so that we just don't say that we want to follow you, but that we know how to follow you, and we do so. let your peace come. Let your peace come, Father. Move through this place and bring your peace. precious, holy, beautiful name. The name of your son, Jesus Christ. 
the one who sacrificed all and claimed victory through your power and resurrection. The one who loves us so much that he stands at the right hand of you right now in this moment, interceding for us. A God who loves us so much that you sent that part of you, your Holy Spirit, to reside within us when we accept you as a leader for giving our lives. So we can have fullness and freedom. Make that our passion. And may we despise anything that tries to rob it from us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Mike. So on the screen before we leave and pack up and head to lunch, I want to share with you one more scripture that I've talked about before. I think it's a powerful verse. It's 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. It says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Consider that for a moment. Godliness with contentment equals great gain. Now, I'm kind of a simpleton, so to me, I make it into a math problem. We'll put that up there. Godliness plus contentment equals great gain. As simple as 2 plus 2 equals 4, it never changes. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Let me bring Matthew 6 into this. His kingdom, his righteousness, content with the fulfillment of our needs, means that all these things will be added to you. Trust the word of God. Trust his heart. He loves you so much. Don't live life, any shortcuts, any deception, anything shorter than his will for you. Well, God is good. Thank you.